Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, December the 22nd in 2023 on When I Arise. Today we come to the end of year B, the fourth Sunday of Advent. And on the Friday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the gospel passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves back in one of the birth narratives, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection. And then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was known to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of God for us. I think one of the things that makes the Christmas story so compelling year after year is there's a tension between things that are quite uncommon things that are are common swirling together and so the moment that we might be tempted to say you know this story is way too big it's way too out there we get these common elements that help to anchor it in real life and the moment that we say ho-hum this is just another story of another person in a different part of the world we have these extraordinary things that help us to to be captivated again too and so i think that both of these working um, in a paradox help us to just capture the great essence and brilliance of this story. So let's take a look at some of the common elements. Very common things were that uh, Jesus' family was from Nazareth. It's a very uber unimpressive place to be from. If it had a stoplight, it would be the one that would blink at about five o'clock in the afternoon, right? Uh, it's nothing impressive. Um, there, there's a chance, according to archaeology, that there was not even like a communal bath in this town. And so when Nathaniel early in John's gospel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? He's not being hateful. He's not a hater. He's just being realistic. I mean, this is a place off the map. It's it's removed. It's distant. And uh, because of that, no one expected anything good uh, to come from this part of the world. Um, this is also uh, Mary. She is uh, you know, quite uneducated. Uh, she's young, uh, perhaps still in vulnerable years. And so once again, nothing all that impressive and she's connected with some of these other folks in her family like Elizabeth who had been bearing up to the point of old age and 
So once again, a common family with uh, family drama, family difficulties, very common and unimpressive. But then there's the extraordinary stuff, right? Um, extraordinary stuff that um, Jesus was going to be the descendant of David and not just that, uh, but the pleasure of sitting on David's throne, right? Which was an enduring promise. We've already talked about it from earlier this week in 2 Samuel chapter 7, how God wanted to keep his promises. And this great line from the angel says, uh, because God's word will never fail. And that's something that even Paul says um, at, in the building up of an argument, a very difficult one in Romans chapter 9, the word of God not failing, right? And uh, Jesus's name is quite common. Um, I would imagine there could have been a chuckle in the midst of this proclamation. I mean, Jesus, to get that specific name was probably important. It's good, but Jesus is a very common name. It's a good chance if you're in a, a crowd full of uh, young Israelite boys at that time, if you were to say the name Yeshua, like a good third of them would turn around wondering if it's their mom who's calling them, right? And so um, his name is quite common, but it's also uncommon at the same time because it means that God saves. Um, the w- root word in the Hebrew is Yasha, which means to broaden. So there's a sense where this salvation that to Jesus would bring would, would kind of act like the exodus from Egypt. I mean, the people of Israel were under the tyranny of Pharaoh and God brought them out, as the Old Testament says, into a spacious place, right? So there's a sense where when we go from a bondage to freedom, that our space is opened up. And so Jesus, yes, his name was common, but it's also got this deep meaning. Extraordinary detail, of course, something that's been confessional to the church from the very beginning, that Mary was a virgin at the time. Uh, Jesus uh, began to grow inside her womb, and uh, she's pledged to be married to Joseph, so they're kind of in that middle ground between uh, on the free market and single to being in wedded bliss. They're kind of in that engagement, uh, preparation for marriage part, and so this would uh, throw their lives into a whirlwind, something that uh, we hear a lot during sermons during the Christmas time of year. But out of that chaos, God would bring order in life, and it does give us the echo, not directly, but indirectly, of Genesis 1, where God would take the the surface of the deep. Um, it, says, it says in Genesis 1, the tohu vabohu in Hebrew, bring this chaos into order. Uh, that would have been something that uh, the early audience would have known from Genesis. Uh, I love the way one Old Testament scholar said that the title of Genesis 1 could be chaos has a bad week. And so here's a sense where this broken chaotic world is going to get put back to order and it's going to be rescued and it's going to be saved. And then just once again, marveling at how all these details are conveyed to a woman in this culture. It's a, it's a patriarchal culture. Uh, women cannot be uh, witnesses in, for your testimony in a court of law. They weren't trusted uh, widely in this culture. And so for God to give these plans, this blueprint to a woman, but to two of them with Elizabeth also earlier, is just quite striking. And um, I just love the way that Luke opens up his gospel here as he talks about God coming among us. He stitches together all these people and they're not um, they're not the brightest of culture. They're not the ones who came from, you know, higher education and the most impressive institutions, but they're just common people. And all together, story after story, their testimonies are stitched together and it brings this great mosaic of the arrival of Jesus. And it came from among common people in order to rescue common people from their plight of sin. And so as we think about that going into Christmas weekend. We have Christmas Eve on Sunday and Christmas morning on Monday. Just think about that. Reflect on how um, as we go from commonplace to commonplace and 
We sit with uh, people in our family who have common lives uh, that we're not in common territory. We're actually in sacred territory, just like uh, there's sacred territory among these common people from Nazareth and Judea, all these people sharing their part of the story. And as they do so, it begins to turn the light bulbs on. God is up up to something new in the world, and perhaps we'll get that same impression as we hang around the common folks and the common conversations this weekend. So with those things in mind, we'll spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, and in the outworking of the story, we were included, and Day by day, we get to experience salvation from our God and life in Christ. I mean, think of that as we go into this Christmas weekend and a Christmas season ahead, as we go from place to place, to worship, to family gatherings, to being out in public, I just would pray that we would be signposts to this great salvation. We think of that according to our passage this morning, uh, you plucked someone from obscurity, uh, someone named Mary at a young tender age and she was able to be a signpost pointing to the good things to come and so as we as the people of God merge into the season of Christmas I pray that that might be our desire as well God you give us courage to be those signposts pointing towards a a Christ that came among us who was crucified who was also raised now is the reigning and forgiving God Lord, we pray that you would have washed this planet um, as your people gather in worship services all over this place, all over the planet. There might be a sense of awe and wonder about what you have done and what you're going to do in the days to come. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.